Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. All right. Welcome to Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I am your co-host, Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. And I'm Justin McElroy. You already said that. Uh, if, you wait, if you're waiting for Cooper to introduce herself, I don't think she's going to. Oh, Sid, I'm beat. Life on the road. Ugh. Must be so hard. Travel to exciting places. Get to see all your fans. Life on the road is tough, Sid. Flying an airplane without children under four. I they actually What's didn't that let like? me, I don't remember. Didn't let me fly the airplane. Uh, that <laughs> I said fly a, in an airplane. <laughs> he said flying the airplane. No, flying an airplane. <laughs> flying an airplane. I remember you there was a time. Of course, the confusion. There was a time when I used to know what it was like to fly without children, but I don't. I don't remember that anymore. You know, they've kids have changed a lot of aspects of your life, Sydney. You could say, you could make the argument. That's true, Justin. That was very well done. Don't call attention to it. Once you call attention, I this this episode of Sawbones will be a little bit different. One of the most frequent emails I get is um, questions about or kind of thanks for discussing the topic of breastfeeding. Uh, we've done an episode on breastfeeding before, but I looked back to see. I knew it was a long time ago, and I looked back to see how long ago it was. And believe it or not, it was in June of 2014. And what's notable about that for me is that we had our first child, our daughter, Charlie, in August of 2014. Yeah, we went on a real tear of parent and baby-related uh, topics for a while there mm-hmm. while you were prego. We did, and I'm surprised that that me of the past felt so comfortable tackling breastfeeding uh, before I'd done it. <laughs> yeah, we do. Listen, we talk about a lot of stuff that hasn't we haven't experienced personally. That's that's very true. That's fair. But I, I will say that uh, as much as I think if you I mean, I'm a physician, I have to counsel people on lots of things that I haven't necessarily experienced firsthand. But breastfeeding has really been something that doing it has helped me understand it better and has helped me to navigate some of the pitfalls and to understand um, why there is, I don't want to say a stigma, but why it seems like breastfeeding is something that can bring controversy. Yeah. It's, it's, it's weirdly. And I, I've even seen that sort of secondhand. It's, it's interesting how much, a lot of vitriol, I think weirdly. Mm -hmm. On multiple Um, sides of, of the conversation for various reasons. um, And, and it can leave a lot of uh, parents feeling really bad about themselves unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And 
I I think I understand all that a lot better now having been through it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like when I when I now counsel people who have given birth and and desire breastfeeding on how to do it and what to worry about and what to look for, I feel like I'm I'm a little better at at doing it now than I used to be. And so since we get so many emails about it, I thought I would just kind of talk about what that's like breastfeeding in 2018. Well, and since you're, 2014. Yeah. And you're going to talk about your experience. And then mm-hmm. in the second half, we're going to talk about some myths related to breastfeeding. Exactly. And uh, try to address those. And like I said, we've done a, If you haven't listened to it, we've done a whole episode on the history of breastfeeding. Yes. Came out in June of 2014. If you're interested in that episode titled breastfeeding. Easy to find. There you Easy go. Easy to Google. <laughs> Uh, so I started breastfeeding, like I said, in August of 2014, when we gave birth to it would have been a while if you had done Charlie. It that, honestly, it would have been. <laughs> uh, but, and I, I knew that I wanted to for a long time. Do you want to talk about what your sort of thoughts were up until that point about breastfeeding? It, it, uh, sure. A lot of it came, if I'm being very honest, a lot of it came from my training as a physician from medical school. Uh, I can't say before I learned about breastfeeding as a, you know, as a doctor in training, I can't say that I had a strong opinion on whether or not I would honestly, because I probably hadn't thought about it that much. You know, I knew it was a decision I would make someday because I knew I wanted to have children, but I never had thought about what I would do. Uh, I didn't, it wasn't something I ever discussed with my mom Mm -hmm. or any family members because uh, as we we kind of talked about this in the first episode about breastfeeding in the US breastfeeding really kind of fell out of favor for quite a while and so there there are quite a few generations of people who didn't breastfeed uh because either at the time it was it was thought to be not the best option mm-hmm. for a while it was perceived as not the best option for your child that if you are a an attentive parent, an attentive guardian, you would feed them formula instead, preferentially, because um, it was, I mean, it was the better, you could buy it, right? It was kind of that mentality. Sure. Why, if something something for free cannot be as valuable as something that you buy. The, the, if you breastfed, and I think you talked about this a little bit on the last episode, that the idea that breastfeeding was something poor people did. Yes. Because they couldn't afford formula. Exactly. And so formula feeding was a mark of, of you know, wealth and, and wanting the best for your child. Right. So uh, there are generations of, of people who didn't breastfeed for that reason. And then therefore, they didn't really have the family support, the, the, the social support that helps you learn how to breastfeed. Because it can mm-hmm. be very challenging at first. And once you leave the hospital, not everybody has resources available to them to coach them through those early days when it's challenging. You know, there certainly are those, and, and we've talked about them before, things like the LLHA League. And, and I mean, our, our most local hospitals will have uh, lactation consultants that you can continue to see after you are discharged. You know, you don't have to be a patient in the hospital to see right. them. It's um, worth noting, though, that, like, making an appointment to see a lactation consultant or really anybody, but, like, it is, it is a huge hurdle mm-hmm. especially if you don't have that support system there no. in your life to help you with like the baby and getting the baby like it's a big deal like it's not easy to... because babies eat a lot at first 
And you can't just say, well, I'm seeing the lactation consultant next week. I'll figure it out until then. Right. You know your child needs to eat. And it's it's scary if you think they're not getting enough mm-hmm. and if maybe their weight isn't rising as expected. And, you know, that's a really scary place to be in. And so for that reason, a lot of people abandon it pretty quickly mm-hmm. because they they're trying to honestly do what's best for the baby and and they feel helpless. Um, I learned a lot, obviously, about breastfeeding while I was in medical school and the the benefits of it. And as a result, I was pretty determined by the time we decided to, to start our family to do so. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I think we've, we've talked at length about Charlie's birth, nothing went as planned. And I think I became even more determined after the C-section and Charlie went to the NICU that I, I was going to make this work. It was something that I still had available to me as an option that I wanted in my, my perfect birth plan. Mm -hmm. And I, and I was determined to make it work. And, uh, I was, I've always said I was just very lucky. It was, it was the one thing that according to my birth plan, not that this is the ultimate right, but right for me, this is the one thing that we got right kind of from the jump, Charlie and I. Now it's worth noting. And I think we should probably, uh, I, let me, Hey, let me step in here as a person who doesn't breastfeed to tell everybody that uh it's not that it, i don't think we're, we're we we're going to i think probably talk very possibly about best breastfeeding but i want to make it clear or hope you that you will make it clear because my opinion is not particularly valuable <laughs> in the arena of breastfeeding <laughs> um that uh uh that it if you are not able to, or your circumstances have somehow prevented you to, or what, whatever, it's still perfectly safe and fine and healthy and, like, no reason to yes. feel guilty also. like Well, and, and you hear these, these competing kind of mantras, and I think that they, they are complementary. I, 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 like I like to say that everybody who's trying to advocate for healthy babies, we're on the same team whatever your perspective is, whatever organization you represent. And some people say breast is best as in breastfeeding is the best way to, you know, provide your child nutrition. Uh, And then other people will note that fed is best. I think that those two things can both be true. At the end of the day, we are so lucky to live in a time where we have formula that is a completely safe and effective and nutritionally sound way of feeding your baby. And it's and it's it's absolutely fine. And if you choose that or if you simply, you know, you you just, you don't want to, you can't, you, you, you yeah. try and it just doesn't work for you or you try and it does work and then you decide you don't want to do it anymore. Whatever your reason. We just want to give some good press, I think, to <laughs> breastfeeding. Breastfeeding yes. kind of a bum rap. So we're just here to say, like, also breastfeeding is very cool. I Well, I think it's one of those weird things that is probably dependent on where you live, because I had, once I started breastfeeding Charlie, of course, in the hospital, that was mostly embraced, although I was constantly, Not literally, right? Because I think no. that, that would be an inopportune time. <laughs> don't please don't embrace me while I'm breastfeeding. I'm in the middle of something. <laughs> there's Sydney's fun fact, fun breastfeeding fact numero uno. Don't hug her while she's breastfeeding. <laughs> Thanks. I'll, I'll hug you when I'm done. It's fine. Uh, but mostly in the hospital, everyone was supportive. Now, 
with Charlie being in the NICU, I was surprised how many people tried to tell me, oh, it's just going to be too hard. Don't bother. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's the best way. They <laughs> might have actually known you very well and had wanted it to go great for you and wanted you to never stop because that is absolutely 100% the best way to guarantee that that happened. Uh, and outside of the hospital, I don't want to say that anybody was not supportive. It's just, I did, like I said, I didn't come from... No one in my family had really, that I was close enough to to talk about it with, had, had breastfed. And I didn't have a lot of tips. Um, there were some people who, who were able to kind of give me a little feedback here and there if I had questions. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, I felt like I had to figure out a lot on my own. And the other thing is, I think in the area we live in, I don't, I don't see people breastfeeding out in public very often. Mm. And so public breastfeeding was very scary for me at first because I, it wasn't something I had seen growing up around here. Mm -hmm. It was, I knew it was fine. I, I knew it was fine. And I was ready to fight that fight if I needed to. Like, I don't yell at you when you eat, you know, a hot dog on the street. So why the heck are you yelling at my baby for eating what they eat outside? You know, I mean, it's, why, why should I eat? Why should my child eat in a bathroom? Do you eat in a bathroom? No. I, it, I, I have eaten in a bathroom. Let's back up. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, like, I had all these arguments. And, you know, why are you sexualizing this breast that is made for feeding this child? What's your problem? What, maybe you could look elsewhere. There's lots of places to look. I had all the arguments in mind, but it was still very intimidating for me to breastfeed in this society, in this time, in this place, in Do history. you think... Okay, let me ask you this. It's... uh. You know, it's funny as we see these like um, at the airport, you see them now. And I bet big cities, you probably have a lot more of them. But so the like the booths, the boot, the no, I was trying to come with the portmanteau for boob and booth. It just I forget there. what they're called. Boob booth. The, yeah. They're like mom, momvana or something like that. Something, like, something that. like that. They're really nice. I've, I, I haven't been in one, but I understand they're really nice. It's like a weird thing where it's like cool to see, but also sad to see. You know what I mean? It's like kind of well, bo both, right? Well, you you gotta understand though. So I spend a lot of time thinking and talking about this, um, not just as a physician counseling patients and as a person who is still breastfeeding, but I am in various Facebook groups uh, with other, actually, other doctor moms and some exclu like exclusively devoted to breastfeeding, and so we discuss these things. A lot. I, I like to hear other people's stories. And the uh, there are quite a few people who prefer some privacy when they're breastfeeding for their own comfort. And that's fine. If you don't want to, you know, pull your boob out in public, that's fine. I, no one should feel like part of breastfeeding has to be advocating for it constantly with your body. That's not necessary. I don't. I'm at a point where I don't care. It doesn't bother me. I do not feel embarrassed. I do not feel uncomfortable. There are certain places. Um, if there are a ton of kids around and parents, sometimes I'll be a little more modest because I don't want to have to have a, an angry parent telling me to put my boob away and then me having to tell them why they're wrong. And then there's kids in the And your boob's still out because you didn't I, notice. It's just it's like I, hilarious. I would feel like I was right, but I also don't want to. I don't want to have that argument in front of a bunch of kids. So there are times where I'll be more modest, but for the most part, it doesn't bother me. Now, if you feel differently and you would appreciate a nice little booth with comfortable seats and, you know, some, I don't know what's in there, a TV, probably something. It's got to be something. 
Something like Maybe some outlets. That would be nice. Plug in your phone, charge your laptop, whatever. Maybe a barista. like Some bottles of water. Sure. Good. That would be nice. Uh, whatever's in there. If you prefer that, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. I just think that Next the... Next time we're in an airport, I'm going to make you go in. There's no reason this should be a mystery. <laughs> this should not never... be a puzzle you have to crack. Just duck your head in. I almost did it. And I thought, like, that's like a bad look all around. Because one of two things is going to happen. One, I'm going to be like, oh, excuse me, a person who's breastfeeding, I'm going to leave, sorry. Or someone who needs to breastfeed is going to open the door and be like, uh, what are you doing in here? And I was say, I could ask you the same question. And they would say, well, I'm about to breastfeed. And I would say, well, that's a very good reason. I will give you the room. <laughs> Everything is spit, spick and spit. And in here, I was just reconnecting the AV cables to the TV that is probably in here. Can, can I ask you, Justin, did, were you uncomfortable at all when I first started breastfeeding? Did it make you uncomfortable? Because it, it never bothered me. It felt it, it, my instincts, I think, kicked in and it felt very natural to me from the jump. I'm not saying it was easy. I, I'm just saying it, it felt fine. I, it felt like what I was supposed to be am doing. I, okay. There are so m- <laughs> you do not understand how narrow the slivers of light for me, Justin Tyler McElroy here are in this conversation to to be honest and not worry about saying the wrong thing because I really want to be I really but, will like defer to whatever. But let, if- let me tell you why I'm asking and while I give you a chance to formulate your response. Okay. I wondered when when I started breastfeeding in front of you and our family. I knew it was hard at first for my dad. Yeah. <laughs> when I would breastfeed in front of him, I could see him like my dad was always a very kind of modest guy. And the idea that here I was sitting there with my shirt half down, I think that probably. But now he it doesn't bother him now. Or if he does, I mean, he He's doesn't want to covering it up. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, he, I know I don't think it bothers him at all now. It never bothered my mom. I, I was shocked at how my sister Riley, who at the time gosh when charlie was born that was three years ago she 14. was 14 13 13 she was actually 13 when when Riley, when charlie was born she was probably the most comfortable and cool with it from the jump mm-hmm. and acted like it was no big deal i was very impressed with it's that maturity the um, they are they are uh you know i you're i i don't know how your brothers felt i think now they wouldn't feel uncomfortable now no, that they've been yeah, through it themselves yeah. but I, I always wondered. I wanted, my, I always wanted to look at people and go, "Do you feel uncomfortable? Because it's okay if you do." But then that's even more uncomfortable. My so, relationship with your boobs had to evolve. <laughs> that is what I will say, and I will leave it at that. But I, I had, I had some growing up to do. <laughs> I had a little growing up to do. What has been the? Uh, I'm going to post some questions to you, so you're not having a monologue. What is the biggest? surprise to you since you started breastfeeding what has surprised you the most about maybe people's responses or your feelings on it or any of that um the biggest surprise to me and we'll probably talk about this a little more in depth is i used to say i am i would very much like to breastfeed for the first six months that was my goal was to make it six months and I would be willing to continue up to a year. And I was absolutely dead set that that's when I would be done. That was my plan. Mm-hmm. And that obviously didn't happen. And I'm fine with the fact that I'm, and we're I'm talk, we'll talk about it. I'm still breastfeeding Charlie later. and I'm, I'm fine with it and I'm not embarrassed to say it. And I don't feel weird about it. Um, 
that that has shocked me about myself because I really I really thought I felt a different way about it until I did it. Um, as far as responses from other people, uh, you never had a too bad. I didn't have any. No, I mean, it's kind of a power play. Like I think people are more intimidated than they are. At least my sense of it has been that people are more like, whoa. What a boss. <laughs> She's really running running stuff. I well, I, I've been very That's lucky. How I feel, at least. I don't no, know. I I've been very lucky. Sometimes I'll read horror stories, especially about people who work and breastfeed and say so they have to pump and they have to store sure. their milk and things like that. And I'll hear things like my boss won't let me store my milk in the fridge at work because it's a biohazard and things like that. And I a just resident evil, you mean. You're in America, it's a resident evil. I have never I go to my office and I put we I would put up a sign that said um, pumping in progress and and pump and my good friends would knock on the door and say it's just me Sydney can I come in while I'm doing this while you're doing that and I, I don't care sure yeah I'm you know whatever hop in and then nasty and, Doug the one nasty guy <laughs> at the office who everybody hates would do that but you'd be like not now nasty Doug I know your game I mean I did it didn't bother me but he's and, also the best brain surgeon there. So it was very important, and he had a patient on the table, but he was still nasty. So you had to make the choice between saving a life and letting Nasty Doug get his people. So I just, all over. I just put my white coat over my chest and continue to pump. Yes. <laughs> no, I. But I, I stored my milk in the fridge. People would laugh as I would be walking up and down the hallway all day with more bottles of milk, and uh, I, I mean, it. No one ever. Gave me a hard time. I think maybe that's what shocked me most about other people. I was so uncomfortable and so intimidated going out in public and talking to people at work about it. And I thought, oh, I'm going to meet all this, you know, all these barriers and all these people who are who don't understand why I'm doing it. And that really wasn't what I experienced. Even people who didn't do it and didn't really understand it and maybe even thought I was a little weird for how long I've been breastfeeding are are supportive or at least they're not hostile. (laughs) Um, do you want to talk about uh, some of these breastfeeding myths? Yes, I do. But before that, let's head to the billing department. Let's go. The medicines, the medicines that escalate macabre for the mouth. Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McRoy fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McRoy? I don't remember. Well, there's that- no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier than you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar. I don't think I was going Squarespace, to— Squarespace, what is it? It's a tool—think of it as— the palette, the palette of a web design artist. But you don't have to be a web design artist. You could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the easel. The metaphor is broken down. Basically, you're going to be able to create great-looking websites that have fantastic customer support and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com slash sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, use offer code sawbones to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. We have just started rehearsing 
for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts, and that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although there will be some Wendy's consumed. But we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat delicious meals right to your door. And not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle, whatever. This is real high-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is 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 part of my plan. Um, but they got like fancy stuff. Listen to this. Where are you going to get this? Truffle butter filet mignon. I mean, seriously? From 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 a, a box? Pre-prepared? All I got in two minutes? I'm eating filet mignon? That sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds delicious. And you can give these a try. And it's not just these meals. We're talking pancakes, smoothies. They got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious. And the meals you just eat and eat. There's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup. Get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week. You're going to get exactly what you want. No surprises here. Uh, and the meals, I can say, are delicious. So what do you got to lose? Head on over to factormeals.com slash sawbones50 and use code sawbones50 to get 50% off. That's code sawbones50 at factormeals.com slash sawbones50 to get 50% off. Um, myths here, Sydney. Okay. About breastfeeding. At least I think they're all myths. I didn't, I, I'm going to, it's going to be hard for me to say myths over and over again. Okay. I have a cold sore. Misconceptions. Misconceptions. That's kind of old important. wives tales. Okay. You know what I'm talking about. Lies. Folk, How's that? Folklore. Old lies. <laughs> old lies. <laughs> old lies. Um, at least I hope they're all myths because I got them from all around the internet and my own brain. That, mm-hmm. uh, so here we go. Are you ready? Yes. Sydney, is it true that people with small breasts can't make uh, enough milk? No. No, that's not true. You got to have more for me okay. than that. Well, just... bre- <laughs> breast size has nothing to do with whether or not you can breastfeed. Um, and your bigger boobs can't store more? It really doesn't. It has to do with the like the ducts and your milk production and how much stimulation your nipples are getting. And right on. No, it, it, it's not... You're thinking of breasts as if they're big bags of milk, and it's a system. And <laughs> no, I, it's a system of of ducts, du- not ducts like quack dude, ducts, like ducts, <laughs> glands, and no. And then there is there's surrounding fatty tissue, but no, there is not. It's not a storage facility for milk. You can breastfeed just as well with small or large breasts. Um, it doesn't matter, and pregnancy changes your breasts a little bit too. So. Some well, of us that's may be ahead of me because I, okay. okay. I have myths. Okay. Babies will reject the breasts after they've had a bottle or vice versa. No, not not necessarily at all. Um, it is important the way you introduce a bottle the first time. Let's say that you are uh, starting off breastfeeding and then like myself, you plan on going back to work and you'll need your child to be able to take a bottle when you're not available. Uh, you want to wait a couple weeks to introduce the bottle. Honestly, a lot of babies, even if you introduce the bottle after a few days, may do fine going back and forth. But if you really want to be certain, it's best to wait a couple weeks and then introduce a bottle for the first time once they're really well established on the nipple. Um, just to make sure that you don't create nipple confusion where they 
they either can't take the bottle or they get used to the bottle and then have trouble going back to the breast. It's the same idea with the pacifier. It's usually recommended that you wait a little bit before you introduce the pacifier as well. Um, just to make sure baby can go back and forth between these various nipple shaped objects. <laughs> is and, it uh, true, Sydney, that breastfeeding is a good form of birth control? This is, man, this is a good misconception to tackle because if you don't know the truth... Um, could be catastrophic. Yes. So while it is true that because of, we'll say like the hormonal milieu, the hormonal situation of your body while you're breastfeeding, it is less likely that, that you will ovulate, mm -hmm. meaning that you wouldn't get pregnant because there's no egg uh, to be fertilized. Uh, it is not impossible to ovulate while you're breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. So it's not foolproof. You are less likely to get pregnant, sure, while breastfeeding because you're probably not going to ovulate all the time, but it is definitely possible. So I would not rely on breastfeeding as a sole form of birth control. I wouldn't either. If you need a good uh, sort of example of that, uh, Sydney is holding her. Her name is Cooper McElroy. And she was <laughs> defo born once Sydney was still breastfeeding. So uh, now true. our protracted and three year long episode of Mythbusters has come to an end. <laughs> Myth busted. I'm Jamie and this is Adam. Which is a really good example. You are most likely to not ovulate early, like right after birth and early while you're breastfeeding. The longer you breastfeed, the kind of less, I hate to use the word protective, but the, the less uh, inhibitory towards pregnancy it becomes. Um, but I, I would not rely on that solely. I would... If you don't want to get pregnant, I would use something else as well. Is it true, Sydney, that um, breastfeeding will make your kid dependent? No. No, not at all. Actually, uh, there have been studies that have shown kids who breastfeed to be more independent and and in no way clingier or needier or in something that you are considering developmentally uh, negative in any way. So, no, it is it is totally safe and and fine to breastfeed your child or not but there is no worry about that uh only th this is another myth which i probably don't need to say because that's all we've done but still i'm gonna say this here i think mm -hmm. is a myth i'm clarifying because i'm a little embarrassed to say i didn't I, I thought this one was true so only people who have given birth can breastfeed like specifically mm -hmm. the parent who gave birth to the baby is the only one who can breastfeed no the, i mean historically a good example of of why this is a myth are wet nurses so wet nurse it, there was a time when uh, especially like a a person of upper society an upper class person would not breastfeed because it was kind of unseemly and there was a lot of stress on them to appear um to get to look like they did prior to giving birth as quickly as possible and not to be uh, unclothed there you go you know in 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 any polite society so you would have a wet nurse who was usually someone who had given birth and breastfed and continued to breastfeed mm -hmm. and maybe breastfed their own child as well but also breastfed your child um modern day it is possible to induce lactation using certain medications with some people, I would say not. not yes, everybody. not everybody. And it's not, again, it's, I mean, it's like breastfeeding. It's not 100%. Not everybody is, who everybody who wants to or attempts it is going to be successful in breastfeeding. There are cases where no matter 
how many times you try and you do everything you can, it just doesn't work. It won't work for everybody, but you can induce lactation. Uh, let's talk about pump and dump. Cause this is one that like, as recently as the, after our first baby, like the, I still thought it was true. Yeah. So the pump and dump myth, if if you're not familiar, is the idea that if you are a parent and you are breastfeeding and you decide you want to have a few alcoholic beverages, that the best way or to manage eight or that nine or ten <laughs> or thirteen or fourteen. I as I'm just gonna say no you matter plowed no, no baby. <laughs> no matter who you are or whether or not you can or want to breastfeed or have children, please don't have eight or nine or ten or thirteen drinks. Okay. Please. Fine. That's not good for you. It's too late for me anyway. That's a, that's a I, bad idea. If I got idea. started out, I'd be up all night. No, but let's say you want to go out and have a couple drinks and you're nervous about the alcohol that will then be, uh, that will then be in your breast milk. Okay. Because there is a transmission of alcohol from the bloodstream into the breast milk. Uh, it is important to note that it's incredibly small, first of all. That's the first thing you should know. The amount of alcohol in your um, bloodstream, the percentage is equal to what's in your breast milk. So your 0.08%. Think about gravity. If you think about like a, a Miller mm-hmm. or a Bud Light or something having like a five, which I just used baseline. Four or five percent. Four or five percent alcohol content. You're talking about 0.08%. Percent. Percent is like a very low that would be, yes. it's like less than O'Doul's level of, not that mm-hmm. you want to give your baby O'Doul's, but you know what I'm talking about. Right. It's actually less than orange juice. Orange juice naturally ferments to a certain degree, so it's 0.09%. Wow. Yeah, there okay. you go. But, and this is not me advocating that you drink and then breastfeed. What well, I'm saying is, no, <laughs> no, don't give your baby orange juice. No. <laughs> Formula or breast milk, please. Uh, but w- what all this or means- Or Gatorade if they've been playing sports. <laughs> it... <laughs> No, please do not give them Gatorade. The alcohol is being transmitted from the bloodstream into the breast milk as long as it's present in the bloodstream. Once the alcohol is no longer present in the bloodstream, it's no longer present in the breast milk. So if it is, you know, five, six hours after your drink, or if we're talking the next morning after maybe you did have kind of a bender, something like that, you did have three or four drinks. No, that's not a bender. What well, are you, talking? you know what I mean? You did yeah. have You did have more than... Fine. You know what I'm saying? Yes. The alcohol is out of your bloodstream, so it's out of your breast milk. It's not stored in there. It's not like you're now storing bags of vodka in your chest. But even if you stone cold breastfed your baby, it's not going to hurt. It, like while you were like drunk, it's not going to hurt him. Well, generally we we advocate not to breastfeed while you're drunk. Well, I mean more I because like it's we, it's you... well as a physician and the and breastfeeding advocacy societies it's dangerous to try to care for an infant, period, when you're drunk, whether or not you can breastfeed. Correct. So the yes. same would go for you. You don't yes. breastfeed. I, please don't take care of our babies while you're drunk. That's Listen, that's just a general rule. Say it, okay. Um, you're you more likely to you're more likely to fall asleep when you're drunk. Mm-hmm. And if you're holding a baby that you're breastfeeding, that's very dangerous. So that's that's the bigger concern, honestly. But my point with this is. Please do not think, oh, there's there's beer in my milk. I need to pump and dump the milk. No, just wait and then breastfeed later. Or don't. I'm over here running the numbers, people. I, Sydney can't say this. I am. The baby will be fine. <laughs> Listen, it's 0.08%. He, this, it's fine. What, what I have told, what I usually tell people is if you want to have a drink with dinner, that's fine. It's fine. 
just have your drink and don't stress about it. It's not going to harm your your child. But uh, the big thing I want to advocate against is the pumping and dumping because you're wasting that good breast stuff. milk. You're wasting the breast milk. Don't do that. I mean, unless unless you are just so engorged, unless you are completely drunk and you're so engorged and you can't and it hurts so much, but you're too drunk to breastfeed a baby, then fine. By all means, you can pump and if you want to dump that, although you really don't need to. But if you'd feel better about it, but you really don't need to pump and dump, just wait and breastfeed later. Is it true, Sydney, that breastfeeding is bad for your breasts? No, breastfeeding isn't bad for your breasts. Okay. No, it. Some people are concerned about like changes in the shape of their breasts over time. Pregnancy does that, as I already mentioned. Breastfeeding really doesn't change that. So, you know, don't worry about that. And it can actually be protective against breast cancer. So, it's good for your breasts. Uh, is it true that you should stop nursing when you get sick? No, you, you, it, unless you are so sick again that you can't hold the child to breastfeed them, you know, please don't like vomit on your child. Hey, all right. If, welcome to Justin's doctor corner <laughs> where I'll feel this one. Don't puke on your baby. Don't puke on your baby. If you, if you are so sick that it is detrimental to you to try to breastfeed. If you if you are not in a position to be able to provide breast milk, then obviously don't. But if you're worried about because I'm sick, I'll give the sickness to the baby through my breast, through the breast milk, whatever. No, that that won't happen. And actually, you're probably forming antibodies against whatever you've got. And then you're going to transmit those to the baby. So, for instance, one time I was sick when it's Charlie, when I was breastfeeding Charlie, I had an upper respiratory kind of infection thing. I did wear a mask because I didn't want to cough and sneeze on her. So I wore a mask while I was breastfeeding her and I washed my hands a lot, but I still breastfed. Um, is it unsafe to lose weight while breastfeeding? No, not necessarily. It's always important to monitor that you're still uh, making, you're still making milk, you're still producing because there is, you can lose weight too quickly or not provide your body with enough calories and then that could be detrimental to milk production. Mm -hmm. But overall, as long as you're doing it in a safe, healthy manner, it's okay to, to try to lose weight while you're breastfeeding. Lastly, and we touched on this, but to, to return back to it at the end here, all babies should be weaned before their first birthday. So I think this is, this myth is probably more prevalent in the United States than in a lot of other places um, because our breastfeeding rates are kind of low and certainly our extended breastfeeding rates are, are very low. Um, worldwide, the average age that a child is weaned from breast milk, so they stop breastfeeding, is between age three and four. So worldwide, it's not unusual to to nurse your child past that. Uh, I've read that from like an evolutionary biological perspective, the human animal could conceivably be breastfed up till age five. You mm -hmm. could you could make the argument that they are meant to be breastfed up to age five. Not that they could conceive because they could conceivably be breastfed for a very long time. Well, you could breastfeed them forever. Well adulthood. But but if you're looking at us as animals, when is it beneficial and 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 a good idea up to age five still makes sense. And this is not me saying that after five, it's damaging or detrimental. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just kind of looking at us as animals. You know, if we were, if we were dogs. This is what we would say. Um, do you, as a doctor, Sydney, do you look through a lot of things through the lens of if we were dogs, what would we do? <laughs> I think about us as animals a lot, probably okay. more than the average person. Fair. Uh, so you don't need to, you don't need to wean your child, I mean, really at any age is is the short answer. 
unless you don't want to breastfeed anymore. Yeah. Then then by all means, wean your child. You should you're not forced to do so. Uh, everything past a year of age is called extended breastfeeding. There are I mean, like I said, worldwide, that's not unusual. So I don't even think that term is really accurate. There is nothing damaging to your child to continue to breastfeed them past a year. Um, if you are only breastfeeding and you're not giving them other foods at that point, that's not a good idea. Mm-hmm. You should be introducing other foods. I mean, you should have, you probably did already at six months. Now you don't have to, but you really need to at this point. If you haven't already, your kid who's a year old, you need to be introducing other foods. You need to be introducing other things that they can eat and drink. That's just part of a normal, healthy toddler diet as they, as they age. Um, but breast milk can be part of that too. And there is nothing dangerous about the act of breastfeeding about like, like we've talked about the idea that a kid will become too clingy or too dependent. That's not true. There's no studies that support that. Um, and there's some benefits that we, I've actually seen firsthand when Charlie was sick, um, even as a one-year-old and a two-year-old and now as a three-year-old and maybe didn't want to eat or drink anything, I could keep her hydrated with breast milk. She would always want to breastfeed no matter what else she didn't want to eat or drink. I could keep her out of the emergency room needing IV fluids by breastfeeding her. So I felt really lucky that we were still doing it for that reason. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that traveling was a lot easier. Uh, We traveled a lot with Charlie when she was little and I think that always having me there and the comfort of the breast made her um, accustomed to new surroundings pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's been there's been some evidence of that, that maybe those kinds of things um, can be helpful. I think it's worth I'd like to own up to that. This has been I it, without delving too much into our personal lives. Um, this has been a struggle for Sydney and I. I mean, from my for me, I. I'm not particularly proud to say it, but I had str- I never had any struggle with you breastfeeding in public or anything like that. As Charlie got older, I, I and this is just societal, right? It's mm-hmm. nothing to do with yeah. anything other than that. I I started to feel like uncomfortable that that somehow we had like infantilized her, or that is the and that is like messages that I had gotten from society and from the media so and i'm not like and i and i i would be lying if i said 100 percent that i don't feel some tinge of that that i have to push back against well to, to to this day and there there's some really you know when i when i got close to having cooper i started to get a little nervous about it because at that point charlie wasn't nursing very much and as you can imagine i wasn't producing very much i still did produce some breast milk while i was pregnant but pregnancy decreased my production significantly, but it didn't matter. Charlie wasn't doing it so much for nutrition as for comfort and, and bonding. Uh, but after Cooper was born and I was definitely making milk again, which I will say that my milk came in a heck of a lot faster the second time around and I <laughs> produced more than enough. Oh yeah. So there's no, I'm, I don't have any of the worries about production that I did the first time. Um, I Charlie started to try to nurse him more. And that is one thing that I've read you know, if your child is doing it to try to get your attention, that's something I'm not saying that you have to stop breastfeeding, but that's something I try to push back against a little bit is to show her that she doesn't have to do that to get my attention. Mm-hmm. There are lots of ways that we can be close and cuddle and I can talk to her about things and, and show interest in her. And it doesn't have to be that because she sees Cooper doing it and she thinks, oh, that's how I get mommy's attention. Right. So that that is one pitfall. Um, and one then that I would like to 
to mention is that we definitely had a struggle with it when it came to sleep training. Yeah. That that we had a really tough association between the way I fall asleep is to nurse. Mm-hmm. And as she got older and was like, we were wanting her to like sleep in her own bed throughout the night. We, at the start, we really had a hard time breaking the association between I need to fall asleep, so I need to be nursing. Mm-hmm. So that was, I think that was definitely a, one of the struggles with, with like, doing it later and and it's and it is a lot of people will ask like is it safe to continue nursing charlie while you're now nursing a newborn well now almost a three-month-old um it it, yes it is safe it is fine it is not there is no problem with continuing to nurse your toddler and nursing a new baby um you do need to think about it Uh, you know it is something that there are times where um Cooper will have gone on a nursing marathon. And so I will feel like throughout the day, I'm just not, not quite as full mm-hmm. <laughs> as I normally am. And I'll be a little more uh, apt to try to distract Charlie if she wants to nurse so that I'm maintaining a supply for Cooper that day. Um, so it's something I pay attention to. I always make sure Cooper's full first mm-hmm. before I let Charlie nurse. Uh, but it's not, it's not dangerous and it hasn't, I mean, Cooper's growing just fine. Yeah. <laughs> She's a big girl. So. I will say also sometimes Cooper because her sister is still nursing, I think Cooper sometimes gets a little more milk than she bargained for. You just remember that scene in UHF <laughs> where Stanley Spadowski's like, who wants to drink for the fire hose? And then he opens the fire hose on that kid. It's a little bit like that. Sometimes Cooper gets a little overwhelmed. I have a vigorous letdown. <laughs> That's the way to put it. I have and a vigorous Detroit, letdown. We are the vigorous letdown. Let's rock. It's <laughs> my band. The, the letdown is when your breasts fill with milk and the milk starts flowing naturally and the and it's it's not because the uh, the baby is stimulating or the pump is stimulating your nipple. In case Speaking in case that of wasn't a great clear, new show on Netflix called The Letdown. Yeah, uh, I think it's out of Australia. I would highly about, recommend yeah, that show. It's hysterical about early early parenting. Um, so is there anything else you want to talk about breast milk before we bring this to a close? I would just say, um, I, I really, I, it means a lot to me when people say that thanks for talking about breastfeeding because it helps to normalize it, and that was. A lot of what I wanted to do by talking about it more was reinforce that um, it obviously breastfeeding can be is it's not can be is a completely normal, healthy way to feed your child and bond with your child and that it is fine for it to continue up to Charlie is now over three and a half years old and I'm still nursing her and I'm not embarrassed to tell people about it. I don't do it in public quite as often as I used to because it's just like in the mall, people look and sometimes I just don't feel like dealing with it. But uh, so I do it at home a lot more with Charlie than I used to. Um, But I'm not embarrassed to say that I am and she's fine. There's nothing wrong with her for it. And there's nothing wrong with me. And we're not weird. I'm not ready to go on the cover of Time magazine because that's just not me. But I don't think, but I just, I wanted to normalize that because I think extended breastfeeding people start to get squeamish about, even if they, they're totally fine with breastfeeding a newborn. It's fine. It's, it's okay if you don't, nobody has to breastfeed. Everybody's got to do what's comfortable for them. But if you make this decision, at least know that Sydney McElroy is out here doing it too. <laughs> um, so that's going to do it for us this week. A little bit of a different one. Hope you um, still enjoyed it. Uh, and uh, please take a moment to uh, to share the show with people you care about or leave us a review on iTunes. That that sure does help. We're tweeting about the show. We're at Sawbones 
um, uh, on Twitter. We have also a Facebook page. If you search Sawbones on Facebook, you can see us there. Mm-hmm. Like us there. Um, we and have, you can email us. Yeah, go for it. Sawbones at Maximum Fun. Do it. Yeah, we don't say that email enough. No. Sawbones at MaximumFun.org. Yeah, and if you have like an episode suggestion, uh, go ahead and shoot that to us there. Yeah. Um, also, we have a book coming out bit.ly forward slash sawbones book. It's uh, coming this October from me, Justin McElroy, and mainly Sydney, and also uh, her sister Taylor Smarl does illustrations. You're going to love this book. Uh, I think it is great, and I think that everybody who buys it is going to be like really jazzed about it. And We're really excited about it, it. Eight or nine times. It is, a, it is a labor of love. I hope I hope you enjoy it. It is a labor of love. Please pre-order our book, and uh, we appreciate it very much. And um, thanks to taxpayers for use of their song Medicines is the intro and outro. Um, and we will be at the Columbus Podcast Festival Thank next you. weekend. Yes, this Saturday, May 12th, we're going to be at yes. the Columbus Podcast Festival. Um, tickets, I believe, are still available. We're going to be there with uh, Still Buffering, Quarter Pointed, um, all on uh, Saturday. Saturday, yes. Starting at seven thirty. Yes, Saturday at seven thirty. We're we're kicking it off. So, uh, go get tickets. Go to columbuspodcastfestival.com. Get your tickets. Come see us. It's at the Short North Stage, um, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Tickets are like twenty dollars a day for like a day pass. It's twenty dollars all day for a bunch of podcasts. Or 40 bucks for a weekend pass, which is like four days of podcast. So, what a bargain. Uh, please come see us. We Come to Columbus. Yeah. Go to COSI. See our show. Yes. It's a great, it'll be a great day, educational and edifying. And uh, that's going to do it for us, folks. So, until next week, my name is Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. And as always, don't drill a hole in your head. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. Hello, are you looking for a new comedy podcast? In which case, can I draw your attention to the Beef and Dairy Network podcast? It's a fictional industry podcast for the beef and dairy industries. It won Best Comedy at the 2017 British Podcast Awards, and it features wonderful guests such as Greg Davis. To my knowledge, it's the only cow circus that's ever existed in this country. In rural Russia, every small town has a cow circus. Josie Long. You should have a beef. Have a beef with them. I have a beef with you. I will have a beef with you. Come round my house and I'll have a beef with you. And Andy Daly. That virus never existed. There was never any such thing as a mad cow disease. That was all an illusion that uh, Big Lamb came up with. That's the Beef and Dairy Network podcast. Find us at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts from. And I would recommend starting at episode one. Bye.